0: Hello, dear listener, and welcome to Late of the Rings, a podcast dedicated to Lord of the Rings the card game. My name's John, and here's my co host. He's often mistaken for dwarven women. It's the beard. It's Emery. Good
1: afternoon. <laughs> that actually has happened before, but I don't want to talk about that night. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: bad memories. Bad memories.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. So how are you? How have you been? i'm not too bad um i get this has become a bit of a regular thing i guess but just in case anyone's listening out of context we're still in the sorry out of out, out of
0: context
1: out of context <laughs> is that right out of out of, time, out of a time context i think i meant <laughs> out of, they're going to listen to this as a music podcast <laughs> <laughs> sorry it might still work yes it, um <laughs> <laughs> but we're still we're still in the throes of the coronavirus lockdown so as you were lots of spare time on my hands uh but it's been the same old same old really i've i've um i've got rid of sky tv good for you so it's been about a week now where i basically don't really have much tv available in the house which has been kind of great actually and quite liberating in a weird way What it has meant, though, is I actually went back and re-watched The Hobbit films. Um, I'm sorry. (laughs) You know what? I'd only seen them once before in the cinema. To be honest, I didn't really think they were that great. And I thought they were really overlong. and Yeah, I just felt like it should have just been one film, really, and all of that. Um, But you know what? Watching them again, they were actually miles better than I remembered. And... Actually, really quite enjoyed them. Oh oh that's, oh, that's great. Um, yeah, the uh, the sixteen hours <laughs> the sixteen hours just flew by. <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> I didn't watch the extended ones. I mean, uh, it's amazing what you can find enjoyable when you can't leave the house. yeah, <laughs> if the, I've got no television, there's nothing to do. I'm not allowed to leave okay and i've got access to free hobbit films they're great no um, well
0: i i enjoyed the hobbit films to the point that i enjoyed spending more time in peter jackson's middle earth but i completely agree that it was overlong it should be just one film for one enjoyable short story and yeah three films Whew, too much
1: yeah I, I i actually totally agree but i still think they're good films looking at them again okay um I think they were, they were a bit disappointing, I think, the first time. But yeah, watching them again, it was, yeah, lots of fun. And some of the things I thought were really kind of long and boring and, and drawn out too much. Actually, looking at them again, I think that's how I just remembered them, if you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, I do. I do, totally. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe they're worth a rewatch for me as well then. I mean, the thing is, it's a tough act to follow, isn't it? After, uh, after Lord of the Rings, which is yeah. quite, quite possibly one of the greatest
1: works of cinema of all time. Well, and that's in context. <laughs> so, <laughs> Indeed. so and actually yeah so i i so i thought i'd go to whole shebang so i started watching those as well so i watched the fellowship of the ring traditional to start with the first one yeah i think that's the best way and uh <laughs> and yeah I hadn't, I hadn't seen it for years actually and it's yeah just unbelievable I, it's it's even better than i remembered it, actually watching it again so yeah that's what I've been doing for the last week. <laughs> quite Lord of the Rings focused for the last week. <laughs> very
0: nice way to spend your time, you ask me. How about your good self? Well, also very Lord of the Rings focused, I've been editing a <laughs> podcast of epic proportions. Yeah, last uh, last episode was quite the mammoth job, but um, yeah. it turned out all right in the end. We could have split that
1: into three podcasts <laughs> of equal length. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah. just to flesh it out no but but yeah but
0: it it was fine and and other than that i i've been playing more of the game which is great and uh yeah just generally being inside which i don't mind (laughs) anyway yeah well um speaking of which shall we uh shall we crack on with today's show let's do it all righty so today we're going to be having a sort of general discussion of difficulty difficulty in general for the corset quests and after that we're going to be recounting our our attempts at questing through escape from dorgador the third and final quest in the core set and then we'll have our fact of the week and all manner of other good stuff but first before we get on with that we have another corset card to discuss that's right we covered all the spheres but there's a there's one card we missed out, which is well. If I told you he had a a long beard and a pointy hat, any, any...
1: Dumbledore? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it's it's to Gandalf. Yeah, because because of Gandalf. Gandalf, Gandalf um, <laughs> as as I think everyone knows, is a neutral card from the core set, so we never really discussed him. I mean, we, he got plenty of mentions, mostly whenever other cards cost five. He would get a, a certain mention from me saying, don't be ridiculous, play Gandalf. Um, but I think, yeah, of course, I mean, this is the main man. We, we really can't not discuss this card. So before we crack on with the main body of the show, let's, let's have a quick look at this guy. So Gandalf, he is a neutral ally. He has a cost of five. He has willpower of four. He'll hit for four. He'll defend for four. And he has
1: four. Four hit
0: points. You should really cost four if you ask me.
1: But um, (laughs) then you'd hate all of the cards that cost four. (laughs) Good point.
0: Uh, So it's Gandalf. He is an Istari. And it says, at the end of the round, discard Gandalf from play. Boo. Uh, But he has a response. After Gandalf enters play, choose one. Either draw three cards, deal four damage to one enemy in play or reduce your threat by five. So, what is there really to say about this guy? He's good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, moving on. He's good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, Gandalf is just obviously brilliant. And, I mean, when you first see him, you think, okay, well, the the, uh, the uses for him are manyfold, and he is expensive. But actually, because he's neutral... If you really need Gandalf, you only have to wait two rounds and hope you don't need any other cards to come out, and then you can afford him because you'll be able to pay for him from all your heroes' pools. And yeah, he can be a lifesaver for obvious reasons.
1: Yeah, totally. And there, have been so, I mean, there are so many different uses for Gandalf. Um, there are so many different scenarios that he's so helpful in. I think it's probably Folly to go through all of them. But I guess there's a few favorites. I think when you mentioned him before, at one point you were talking about sneak attack, for example. Oh, yeah. Classic. So that's, so that took me a while to figure out how powerful that was. And the reason it's great is not only can you use Gandalf's, you know, four willpower or, or hits for four, defense for, in, a, in an attack or a quest, which is obviously immensely powerful, but then you get his response as well and if he survives for a round you get him back into your hand so you can essentially deal four damage one time you bring him out and then deal four damage again next time you bring him out or reduce your threat whatever it is you can trigger that response a couple of times or multiple times if you have multiple sneak attacks so yeah that's a great combo and i think it's one we mentioned before but that's a it sounds like it's a bit of a classic one from what you were saying Yeah, I I think so. I mean,
0: I I use Gandalf, obviously, as much as possible. And I think you said that the um, learn to play book suggests just putting one copy of him in each of the starter decks. But let's be honest, you want to be putting three of these guys in your deck every time. You want to be seeing Gandalf as often as possible. One of the responses I don't really use that often, which is strange for me, is the drawing of three cards. That doesn't seem quite as powerful as the other two. I mean, dealing four damage to an enemy can, because it's direct damage, you know, bypassing any defense can really save your skin. And, you know, as can reducing your threat by five, you know, either to stop an engagement or, in fact, to stop you
1: threatening out and losing the game. So, yeah,
0: it's Gandalf. <laughs>
1: I have used that one, drawing three cards. But yeah, you're right. Not as often as dealing four damage or reducing your threat. I tend to do those two more. I think. I guess the only other way to bring him in is using stand and fight. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry, sorry, I forgot. <laughs> <It doesn't... laughs> oh, we're gonna have to. We're no, gonna no. have to. We're gonna have to cut that because that. I is think we should that, leave it. That, that <laughs> is gonna. That is gonna confuse <laughs> far too many people. The, the ticking time bomb. No. You, <laughs> You can't, you stand and fight with Gandalf because he's neutral. End of end of story. <laughs> Sorry, I'm being facetious. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I put three of, so far when I've played this, I've, I think every single deck I've put together, I've put three Gandalfs in. Yeah.
0: So uh, yeah, I don't think we need to spend too much more time on him. I mean, we, he will get more and more mentions, you know, as we, as we talk about quests. So yeah, we got to him eventually, but you know. Just like this podcast, a wizard is never late.
1: Exactly. That's a, that's a line I've used many times in, in, my, in my professional life. <laughs> is this because you have been late many times? No, no, never. Weren't you listening? <laughs> good, good point. Good point.
0: <laughs> okay, so that's Gandalf. So, as I mentioned before, the main thing I want to talk about with you today is the difficulty of the game because what i read on the forums a lot for new players is people hitting a brick wall almost immediately once they uh, get the corset and start playing the difficulty factor of this game really tends to hit you full in the face and uh, we've already discussed it when we've been talking about the individual quests about whether or not we think they're too hard or too or too soft but without spoiling any of the specific uh, quest cards i'm just curious what your thoughts are of the three quests packaged in with the corset. do you feel that the difficulty level set by fantasy flight was right or do you think it's it's too restrictive for new players
1: well that's quite i guess i can only answer that from the way i approached it so i'm not sure whether this will be in common with most of the people listening to this or, or not maybe maybe not actually but um i think i alluded to one for previous episodes that uh, i'd never really played this kind of card game before uh, I don't know whether there's any game similar to this, really, to be honest. Um, I'm not someone who's played a bunch of card games or, or anything like that. So to me, the difficulty in the quests was completely coupled with just the difficulty of learning a whole new game and a whole new approach to playing playing a game. Yeah, Most of my game playing before had been, you know, board games with the family and um, the old card game here and there, and that was pretty much it. So it was... Kind of, so the two things are kind of coupled together for me, so it's, it's a little bit difficult to gauge whether the actual quests themselves are too difficult or too easy or what have you. What I will say is I found, and especially especially with hindsight, I guess, having played a few more quests after the corset, I think the, I think the first quest is pretty much perfect because you're going to learn all the basic mechanics how do you play the game in a basic way? From that one quest. Yeah, I agree. I think that initial quest, uh
0: Apache through Merkwood, is actually pitch perfect with its difficulty level. I like the fact that it, as you say, it will teach all the basics of what you need to be able to play the game without overcomplicating things. And I also like the fact that it isn't an instant win. You you will probably lose that first quest the first couple of times of attempting it until you get your head around how the game works and that's a, that's a good thing because if you didn't have that then that would just be almost a throwaway quest and you remember you're only getting three quests with the core set and I think there does need to be a certain challenge with all three of them so for me Apache three would, I think is exactly the right level of difficulty for an introductory quest.
1: Yeah, I mean, I did actually win it, I think, on my second go, but only because I'd cheated massively (laughs) without realising it. (laughs) But no, it did did take me a few goes to win it properly the first time. And it took me ages because each time I was learning, oh, what was the correct order of things or how do these things work together? And so it did take a long time. So I think if you mixed in any kind of deeper mechanics or different elements of gameplay into that quest it would probably be quite overwhelming i think so yeah i agree with you I, I think that's pretty much perfect and the other thing i'll say for it is as we've sort of gone back and played these corsets through in the last couple of weeks um actually it's not it's not a gimme passage through Merkwood. there are still some nasty uh, cards in there and you can come a cropper actually playing playing that quest so it's not like you can put some super powered deck together from from later on i guess and just walk through it but oh absolutely i mean if you I, use I, your corset you're... just
0: just for fun i've made some uh some crazy decks and just blasted through it in two rounds it's uh it's quite fun <laughs> <laughs> three rounds um no i think there are there are ways to do it in less than less than that oh really yeah because you you, you it's possible to defeat um it's possible to, oh, to no spoil okay, it's possible to defeat two, uh, more than one
1: quest card in one round. Right. I was <laughs> <laughs> like for time I, I won a chess game in two moves. <laughs> genuinely. Absolutely, that's, that could be a little a little puzzle teaser for people to go away and figure out. That's a, that's genuinely bona fide game, one in two in two moves. So I think you've done something similar there to <laughs> Um,
0: So I think we're both in agreement then that Apache Tree Mirkwood is pitch perfect, actually, with its uh, difficulty level. Um, Oh, by the way, we're not going to mention what Fantasy Flight rate these difficulties as because they are notoriously all over the place. Oh, is that right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) So I think we're just going to basically ignore that and just discuss the difficulty in broader strokes. Um, So, Journey Along the Anduin. Now, uh, it, as as I think most people are aware, I struggled with this when coming back to it for the podcast. Um, well, basically until I constructed a deck which could beat it fairly easily, but I really had to think it through again. I, it, it certainly wasn't a case of just grabbing the deck that I'd used for a passage through Mirkwood and then I could sail through that one because I now know how to play the game better. That quest really really gave me some problems
1: yeah i remember the, the and i think i might have mentioned this when we went through that quest last time which was the first time i played it and well, okay i guess we're not going to give away kind of any details here but what happens right off the bat made me think oh my god how am i going to how am i going to do this this is impossible so you just so you've eventually got through passage free mirkwood where it teaches you how the game works but then it does teach you a little bit about the spheres as well um, you know, you do have to think about that as you, as you sort of play it through. But then the challenge that's presented right at the beginning of Journey Along the Anduin is, yeah, at first, it's like, oh, blimey, is this is this what this game is now? <laughs> it's like, so you taught me the basics. Now we're going to throw something at you. And when I first looked at it, I, I was thinking, oh, God, I, I, I don't have a clue how to figure this out. But that really made me then start to think about how you put a deck together so I think using those sort of pre-configured decks you mentioned earlier, which come in the how to play uh, or learn to play guide, um, I think once you've passed that first quest, I can't really see how they're going to work with Journey along the Anduin or or Dol Guldur. So they're just not, I think. Yeah. So so for me, I think it was if the first quest was about teaching you the basics of a game and. introduction to the spheres for me the second quest is really about how you overcome specific challenges and how you put together decks with different abilities the cards of different abilities to be able to do something which you wouldn't think you'd be able to do Uh, so so it makes you think about how the cards work together uh, and what kind of control you can have over the situation i think once i'd learned that uh, to be honest i've only figured out one way to beat it using the corset cards <laughs> but
0: uh well you should definitely you should definitely go back and try again then i mean it's not for me to tell you how to get enjoyment out of the game but as you could see from the deck that i use compared to the deck that you used it does show that there are many ways to skin that particular cat so i think there is there is benefit to go back and try and beat it in different ways
1: yeah i i, I totally agree with that and I, i've done i've Maybe not for that particular quest, but there have been other quests and in the further APs in the next cycle, which I've done as well, where I've gone back and done it using, you know, a couple of... If I've done it, let's say, with leadership and spirit, maybe I'll go back and try it with tactics and law or something like that. I think there's definite value in doing that, for sure. Well, I
0: think actually that's the key word, value, right there, because... What I think is important to remember is that when you buy the core set, you get a bunch of player cards and you get only three quests. And if they were all easy to beat, then I would think there'd be more complaints that actually it's not very good value because yeah, sure you get your cards, but um, you just get three quests, which you sail through and If that was the case, I think people would be less inclined to continue playing the game with the APs and the deluxe sets because you'd be going, well, this this game is easy. I'm just going to be able to sail through it. Well, actually, I had my core set. I think I played for sort of six months before I bought an AP, just constructing different decks, trying to find new and interesting ways to beat the quests in there because they weren't just walks in the park. So actually, I think the fact that they are quite difficult sort of genuinely adds value to what you're getting in that core set. Which leads me on to the third quest, which, again, we're going to discuss without spoilers. We'll we'll move on to uh, our actual experiences after this. But Escape from Dolgador. Now, I don't think it's any secret that this is the quest where people go, well, I bought the core set, I only get three quests, and it's impossible to beat the third one. I, I kind of went into this with my eyes open when I uh, got the corset, And I kind of knew that this was the general consensus. But I don't think I was quite ready for just how difficult that third quest is as a solo player. And I think this is the conclusion I've come to with this. I don't think when Fantasy Flight put this game together originally that they ever conceived it as a purely solo game. It happens that the solo players embraced it and actually it is by far, in my opinion, the best solo game on planet Earth. Um, But I think at the time of their first production of it, I think they believed it was a uh, a two-player cooperative game at its heart. So the difficulty ramps up from Quest 1 to Quest 2 in two-player, but also works beautifully in in one-player. But Escape from Dolgador, I actually think, is nigh on impossible as a one-player experience. But I don't think we should be putting the blame onto Fantasy Flight here for making a game that is too difficult. I just think they didn't quite perceive how the game would be played.
1: But is it is it a, is it a problem? Is, it, is that something that people have, I don't know, complained about or... Well I, think, of perception of it. well, I think the problem is that
0: Lord of the Rings, the card game, has now found its place as one of the best solo games there is. So a lot of people just play it solo. I mean, I, that's, that's how I play it the majority of the time. And then I, then I play it with you as, as and when we can. But for most of the time, I play it as a solo game. And I know that that's where a lot of people get their enjoyment from because it is such a good solo experience so because it gained this reputation of being such a great solo game a lot of solo players picked up the core set and found that they couldn't beat one third of the quests that are supplied with it
1: yeah i mean my experience with this one is oh yeah it, it's when you play on your own it's rock hard. it's, it's really really hard but when it, is it rock hard or is
0: it impossible?
1: I mean, it's not necessarily, okay, maybe that is. Well, that.
0: I mean, with I'm, I'm talking with cards from the core set.
1: Yeah. Well, first, just before I go into that, what I will say is the impression I got from this one, just as I thought the second quest was built around overcoming obstacles and figuring out how spheres work together um, and putting together decks, uh, the impression I got from this was how to play two-player and how to create two decks which are going to, so not rather than two spheres in one deck, but two separate decks, which are going to work well together. And how how you play a quest with potentially four different spheres out there. That, that's the that's impression I got in terms of what it's trying to achieve. And then I think that's kind of, well, I don't know whether it's confirmed or not, but but in my mind, I think just the fact that this is such a struggle, as you say, one player, but we've played this together I think three times in total. Twice just this past weekend. We're going to talk about those experiences shortly. But then one time also it was one of the first times I ever played a few months ago. And I think we playing two player. We've beaten it three out of three times. Yeah, we have. Yeah. So that straight away for me is some kind of evidence. What I've found playing the solo though, uh, in just using the core set cards, is there have been sometimes I've done it where it's just been overwhelming. As oh my god, I'm just dead or you just quickly figure out that you're going to fail. <laughs> but you normally try and see it through anyway. But it happened a couple of times where I've got tantalizing, or in my mind, tantalizingly close. And that, for me, means I've got to the last quest card, <laughs> 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 which, which means approaching the finishing line. But I, 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 yeah, I never did it. I never did it low. And that was very much a rarity. Get, getting near the end, you know, getting some way through the last quest card Was very much. I think like literally like twice. Well, I think
0: I think from what you're saying is actually you're you're sort of agreeing with my point that when they conceived these quests, they didn't really conceive it as a wholly one player experience, which it's not. But. It certainly has found that solo audience. And I think they realize this very quickly moving moving on. And there are only a, a handful of other quests that come later, which really aren't as full an experience as a solo game as they would be in multiplayer. But this one, I, I think you're probably right, was designed to sort of show how two decks work together. In, in order to overcome the quest. And I think the the only problem comes when you then later down the road build a reputation as being a brilliant solo game. You don't want to remove this quest from the core set because, you know, it, it this is this is the third quest and it's uh it's legendary. Um and it's a challenge,
1: right? I mean Yeah, well it, well it's, it
0: certainly is a challenge, but I just think you should be going into it with your eyes open. If you are looking for a solo experience, there is a Ninety to ninety-nine percent chance you are not going to be able to beat that final quest with the corset cards.
1: Yeah, I've never looked, or sort of, you know, looked it up online or anything like that. But I'm certain that there will be some people out there who've done this, who've completed this. Oh, there are. Just there using are. the corset. There are. Yeah. So it must, be, you know, I guess you need some luck, and you need to pick pretty much some there's probably a very small combination of decks you can put together to really get into it or or some i i I don't know but i think there there must be a way is what i'm saying well
0: there certainly is but if you do look online what you'll find is you'll find these decks which are put together with a certain collection of heroes and then they'll say something like unless um i'm trying not to give away spoilers they come with some sort of prerequisites that as in if during setup if x y and z doesn't happen then you should just start again now that yeah. <laughs> that is
1: not how i want to play this game you know it,
0: it, it i don't I know, know.
1: You, i know i know what you mean or well, i guess what you're saying is if x y and z happens it makes it more of a challenge but rather than say if X, Y, and Z happens it makes it impossible uh that's well, that's for is that what you're trying to say? But pretty much it does make it impossible. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, yeah. That, that's the thing. And, and so basically you mentioned, oh, there must be some decks out online that can beat this quest solo with just core cards. And there are. But then they, they state up front. But if this happens during setup, swipe your board and start again.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So you need for luck as well. And pro- and not just there, there'll be different parts throughout the game where you need some serious luck to go for you. I should imagine for this to work as a one player. Yeah, those couple of occasions, I have got that last card and got some way through that last quest card. I did have a lot of luck. <laughs> the right things came out of the deck and the right shadow cards, you know, and all of that kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's, a, it's, it's a tough nut to crack. Let's say <laughs> it certainly is, and.
0: Uh, we'll we'll wind this uh, we'll wind this section up in a second and I, but i i don't i'd like to say i don't think it is too difficult no but it it's blatantly designed as a two player experience that third quest so if you yeah. if you are as i was coming to this game as a purely solo experience when i first started out i think you just have to draw a line under it and as as did i i played the first two quests over and over and over again and then i'd occasionally play the third one and then I eventually just drew a line under it and went, "Okay, I'm just going to get some more APs until I can play this two-player." And then I did
1: with you, and we beat it first time. Or oh, can you? And I've never done this. Actually, are you allowed to do this in a game? Are you allowed to use two decks on your
0: own? Yeah, in one player. Well, there's no, there are no there are no rules. Um, yes, of course you can. You can basically what is it's what's known as playing double fisted. <laughs> You woke that smirk
1: off your face. <laughs> you, reminded, you reminded me about Dwarf Night again. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, go. Um, <laughs>
0: so and that's basically you as one player can play acting as two players now i never do this but i'm certainly not against it if that's how you get more enjoyment out of playing the game then go ahead you know for me it's just too much going on you know you have to remember who is technically the first player is it your left hand or your right hand
1: um and left fist or right fist exactly so yeah, I can imagine it getting quite. Uh, I guess. I guess you probably need a fair bit of space as well. <laughs> that's <laughs> it's just for more sure. practical point for you to play. It. And of course, you take
0: away that sort of certain element of not really knowing what's in each other's hands. And
1: because yeah, so that's why. That's why I was, was going to say I wasn't sure whether it was something that's that's allowed because I guess there's if you play two player, there's only so much you're allowed to say to each other. But if you're playing one player with two hands you automatically, by default, know everything. Yeah. So it's, so it's a different level of difficulty.
0: For sure. And like I said, it's not for me, but I know there are plenty of players out there that play like this. And sure, if you if you enjoy the game like that, then go for it. And actually, you'll see on forums when talking about um, Escape from Dolgador that most people's sort of go-to answer is try and
1: beat it uh, double-fisted. It might be, yeah. So it's a way to do it. So at least if you did that, if even if you were playing solo and you were getting frustrated and just wanted to beat it, maybe that's a good option. And will also, if you haven't played two-player before, might teach you some of the dynamics of that two-player mode. And, and maybe you'll love playing that way. And then you'll go, yeah. actually,
0: I'm going to play all my games like this. And that's there's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's the great thing about these sort of games is you can make your own fun. I'm kind of tempted to give it a go now <laughs> because
1: I've never really thought of it before. So... <laughs>
0: so just in conclusion then about the uh this sort of discussion on difficulty i actually think it's pretty much spot on i mean i do think the ramp up from a passage through mirkwood into journey along the anduin is shockingly steep but i kind of love that i love that idea that you have a kind of pretty difficult introductory quest and then boom welcome to the game
1: (laughs) Yeah I mean I've never really thought about it was right or wrong or whether it, uh, before but what I well, all, all I'll say about that is with the level of difficulty they were playing that corset set solo it kept me completely absorbed and got me really into the game so I think from that perspective I think they've nailed it
0: yeah absolutely that that's, that's basically what I was saying earlier the fact that the difficulty level is set quite high uh, well pretty high um Really made me want to stick at playing this game, and really made me want to get better at it. Because you know, winning is fun, but you know, isn't it? Isn't it more enjoyable to become better and and experience the game more? So, what you're saying, John, is for taking part
1: that counts. Oh God, no. <laughs> I think that's what you just said <laughs> oh then that then, then,
0: then that's getting cut take it back <laughs> then that's getting <laughs> no no
1: it's not the be all and end all, but yeah I, I know what you're saying yeah. <laughs> okay
0: no i think I think we've discussed that enough, and i i i mean difficulty is gonna come up with each uh, game we play, so I think this is not the last time this subject's gonna be uh gonna be mentioned, but I think it's time. We, we talk about our, our experiences. I mean, we, we've, we've mentioned it a lot, so I think it's, it's time we—it's uh, <laughs> a time we attempted to uh, escape from Dolgador. Talking of difficulty. <laughs> Hello, listener. The following section contains spoilers from the quest "Escape from Dolgador." If you wish to avoid these spoilers, please skip forward to one hour and twenty-two minutes. Thank you. So, as we mentioned, we attempted this together in preparation for this podcast with the with the wonders of modern technology we were able to do that um in different houses but did you attempt to play it on your own before we did that
1: oh yeah 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 so i had tried it a while back when i first properly started playing this in in january once i got past the end when i did try dog order a couple of times and but just a couple of times uh before I think we discussed it, and you were saying it's almost impossible because we might want to sort of move on. Um, But then going back to it, um, I did try it a fair few times solo. And like I just mentioned earlier, there were a couple of times where I thought I was doing pretty well, but generally I felt pretty far short (laughs) doing it And I tried all manner of different combinations of things, and there was always one weakness too many. And it it was yeah it was really tough. Well, I really I really like it though. It's a great great quest. I, I I really like this one.
0: Well, I didn't even bother attempting it on my own. I, I I've already been bitten by that dog. <laughs> You've been there before. Oh, <laughs> that wag has already taken a chunk out of me. I am not going back down that road. <laughs> um, so shall we just uh, set the scene then for this quest? Should we have a little look at uh, quest card one?
1: Yeah. Do you want me to read it out? Yep, go ahead. So the first part of the quest is called The Necromancer's Tower. So what it says here is, The Lady Galadriel of Lorien has asked you to investigate the area in the vicinity of Dol Guldur. While doing so, one of your allies was ambushed by orcs, captured, and is now held in a dungeon cell. Nasty stuff. That doesn't sound good. Not good. Set up. Well, some people are into that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, set up. Search the encounter deck for the three objective cards. And we'll talk about these in a minute. Reveal and place them in the staging area. Also, place the Nazgul of Dol Guldur face-up, but out of play alongside the quest deck. Then shuffle the encounter deck and attach one encounter to each objective. So you got three, You end up with three guarded objectives. Yeah, and I think
0: that last line is essentially just reminding people from the rulebook what the guarded keyword means, because it's the first time we've ever had a guarded card come off the encounter deck. So in case you don't know, if a card has guarded on it, then a second encounter card basically sits on top of it and you have to defeat that encounter card to be able to sort of release whatever is guarded. Okay, there's one thing I want to just mention though on this setup, which I think is very important. And actually, maybe we should have put this before we dived into the spoiler warnings. Um... But, well, people will get here eventually. And that's the wording on the Nazgul card. Because this is something which Fantasy Flight learnt their lesson on very quickly. Because in, in the setup there, it says you must place the Nazgul of Dolgordor face up, but out of play. And the reason why it says face up is there is text on the Nazgul card, which is kind of always in play. But the card itself is out of play. Now... I, well, I'll just read what that says. I mean, we'll come to the Nanskul in a minute. But basically, the text which is important is forced. When the prisoner is rescued, move Nazgul of Dolgador into the staging area. Now, that's on the Nazgul card. So basically, something is going to happen in the game whilst you're playing, and then you are meant to constantly remember that this card says that in order to bring it into play into the staging area which is insanely badly designed i mean they did learn their mistake immediately i mean what they do now anything that brings a card uh which you've been told to put out of play into play is now written clearly on the quest card or indeed another encounter card which would be in play at that time So you're not forced to sort of remember, oh, I've taken this card out, but when X, Y, or Z happens, I have to go and find it and then dig it out of the ground where I left it. So, I mean, I think it's so easy to forget to bring the Nazgul in
1: because of where that condition is written. But
0: um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe. maybe. No,
1: well, I mean, in my experience, you're not wrong because even though I'd played this quest a couple of times, as I said, back in January or February, whenever it was, when I went back to this last week, I was storming through it. I'd got through the second quest card, <laughs> got to the third and final quest card. I, like, I know where I'm, this is going. I'm, I am I absolutely <laughs> flying through this. It's like, I'm going to go down the history. I was so excited. I thought, I'm going to tell you The first time I've tried this, since really properly learning the game, and I'm going to defeat Escape the Legendary, Escape from Dol on my first go- and after about a couple of rounds on the last card, I thought, when is this Nazgul? <laughs> I was expecting something in the encounter deck, right? To say, play, the Nazgul turns up or whatever. Something like this. Well, exactly. And actually, and actually that's how the game is constructed yeah. nowadays. And then, so I, then I read the card and I thought, well, I've just wasted an hour of my life. <laughs> I, I was gutted. So yes, well done, Fancy Flight, for <laughs> learning from that. Yeah, it's, <laughs> that was very it's confusing
0: terrible <laughs> terrible design and like i say perhaps we should have put this before the spoiler thing so that people coming to it were already aware but they'll nah. they'll, they'll soon learn <laughs> they can suffer too <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so we've sort of got ahead of ourselves there but that's uh that's yeah side a
1: of quest card one so let's flip that bad boy over okay and we'll talk well i guess we'll talk about the individual objectives in a minute yeah um so when you flip it over it's uh, you need nine progress to complete this uh, when revealed randomly randomly select one hero card among all the heroes controlled by the players and turn it face down. So if you're playing solo, you've got free. Oh, I mean, don't play this with only two heroes. <laughs> it's very difficult. Um, so that hero is now considered a prisoner, cannot be used, cannot be damaged and does not collect resources. Until it is rescued as instructed by card effects later in this quest. The players as a group cannot play more than one ally card each round. That's another very important thing to remember. That's brutal. Brutal. Players cannot advance to the next stage of this quest unless they have at least one objective card. Okay. So let's have a little let's have a look at those objectives then. Yeah. I get well, I guess when you first look at this, by the way, I guess for sort of first-time players or if somebody only plays once or twice, there's a lot going on here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Talk about ramping up the level of detail
0: of things you've got to be aware of um, yeah. from Journey Along the Anduin to this one.
1: It's like, okay, you know, you thought you'd learn all the mechanics? Here you go. Yeah, yes, exactly. Massive setup. And again, that makes it even more critical to understand that Nazgul card, which you correctly mentioned. So you've got these objectives in play, you know you've got to collect one of them. You've lost a hero. Um So yeah, so a lost girl was like, "Well, what, what has happened here?" <laughs> okay, so there's three objectives. Shall I just read through them, or yeah?
0: See, well, it's interesting these objectives because, as I said, they're they're all guarded. So there'll be an enemy or a location, or if you're lucky, by the way, you'll reveal a treachery during setup to put on this because chances are that treachery won't do you any damage and therefore you have one card which isn't guarded straight off the bat. So basically, if you have a guarded objective, as I mentioned, once you either defeat the enemy which is guarding it or explore the location which is protecting it, um, you can then claim that objective and there's nearly always some sort of clause for how you do so. So, And I I was thinking about these ones and I was thinking, uh, at first I was thinking, oh God, they're just so sort of random and they don't really their clauses don't really represent what they are and then i reread them again just before coming on to do this podcast and i thought actually no maybe i've spoken too soon so do you want to maybe just read them through
1: uh yeah sure so it's not in any particular order just random uh the first one i've got in my hand is gandalf's map This item is guarded, as we discussed, and it's restricted. So that means when somebody picks this up, they can only have one other restricted attachment on their hero. Action. Raise your threat by two to claim this objective when it's free of encounters. When claimed, attach Gandalf's map to a hero you control. Counts as an attachment. If detached, return Gandalf's map to the staging area. Attached hero cannot attack or defend. So that's going to be the theme of all three of these. There's going to be some kind of nastiness which happens because of the effects of each one. So that one you can't attack or defend. Yeah, so thematically on this, like I say, at first
0: I was thinking these objectives, they're not thematic in the slightest. But I guess with this one, it's not too bad. It obviously takes two hands to hold this map. So you're not attacking and
1: defending. Well, for me, it's, it's, it's somebody who's, you know, t- telling you the way to go. They're the navigator, aren't they? They got the map... Um, other people are doing the fighting as you're trying to find your way through this sort of dark, these sort of t- dark corridors of Dol Guldur. That's the way I see it. I think that one works fine. And cannot attack or defend kind of works. So you can quest, basically, is what we say. Basically, y- your mum's
0: in the passenger seat reading the map whilst your dad is driving. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Like,
1: mum cannot drive at that point. No. <laughs> <laughs> that would be treacherous, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> So the second one I have is Dungeon Torch. So this is all the text on all three of these is the same until you get to the the force action. So it's again, guarded, restricted. You have to raise your threat by two to claim it. Um, at the end of each round, raise attached hero's controller's threat by two. So when I first read this, I thought that, that meant once you claim this, instead of putting your threat up by one during the refresh phase, you put it up by two. But actually... It means oh, you go no, up no. by three. <laughs> yeah,
0: because I, and I do understand that there's confusion there because it is also happening at the end of each round, but that is on top of your regular threat increase. And again, like I say, maybe I was being a bit harsh when I was thinking about the themes of these things, but this kind of makes sense as well. So if you've got a torch, you're obviously going to be drawing more attention to yourself. So therefore, your threat
1: increases, you're going to be drawing in more enemies around you. Exactly. Uh, the last one's the shadow key. So again, exactly the same. Guarded, restricted, raise your threat by two to claim it. Uh, the forced effect is at the end of each round, the attached hero suffers one damage. So this is some nasty evil object, which is slowly draining your yeah, life smoke force smoking black. Yeah, if, like smoke shadow. If you
0: <laughs> If you have a key, which is smoking black shadows, don't pick it up. Yeah, That's my <laughs> advice that is that is not going to open anything you, you want it to i tell you <laughs> okay so these are the objectives and they're, they're sat in the staging area and we need to get at least one of them to get off of this first quest card yeah okay that, that doesn't seem too bad apart from we've lost
1: a hero and we can only play one ally at a time <laughs> correct um i think but there are a couple of treacheries Probably just worth mentioning that do come as the guarded well, I think there's probably one or two more which might have a small effect, but Oh go ahead. I think I think the two which can have an effect. And these aren't these are treacheries we've seen before. Okay. On on Passage Through Merkwood. Uh one is Eyes of Forest. When revealed, each player discards all event cards in his hand. Oh nice. Yeah. So if you get that one on one of these, then you have to get rid of all of your event cards. And and you'll have probably very unlikely you'll have any way to cancel it. Because you won't have any resource to spend your six cards. Or so you might have a hero you can exhaust. I guess. Can you exhaust a hero during setup? Yeah. Okay. So you'll be able to. Okay. So you might be able to cancel it. And then the <laughs> second. So then the second one is Caught in a Web. When revealed, the player with the highest threat level attaches this card to one of his heroes. Counts as a condition attachment with the text: Attached hero does not ready during the refresh phase unless you pay two resources from that hero's pool. Now that one can be a really nasty one to get off the bat. Oh yeah. Because you've got to get two resources before you can even use that hero to do anything apart from collect resources. So it's yeah, so bear that in mind. So yeah, most of the treacheries are what you want to see as a guarded on these objectives. Apart from probably you probably get away with eyes of forest, but Court and Web is the one I think you want to avoid.
0: Yeah, unless you unless you, you, you want to get my dwarf friend in there. I forgot what he's called again now, but you know, get get him out, play Minor. him. Mine of the Iron, off Iron Hills. <laughs> Mine of the Iron Hills. Get get him out straight away. Get that um, condition attachment off. I mean, I did neglect to put him in my deck, but I've learned that lesson.
1: <laughs> we still did it. We still did it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but even though we did it the first time, and we said, "Well, we'll play one more time," and even though we'd, I'd been caught in a web that very go, I didn't go. Hang on a minute. I'll just swap out these dwarves. For the Miner of the Iron Hills. Nope. We'll just go straight in again.
1: (laughs) It it worked. It worked. (laughs) Outdone by my own
0: stupidity. Okay. So this is... You'd think this is not too tough because it's only nine quest points on this card. But that missing hero can really, really hurt you, and I don't think we'll keep banging on about how difficult this is if you try and play it one player, because I, I, we've certainly covered that. But just, just, you know, just to imagine if you've lost a hero, it's going to be nigh on impossible to quest enough and fight enough to be able to get past this card, and 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 proceed with
1: with any real gusto. <laughs> i was i I was able to do this a couple of times without being ridiculously decimated but you really need the luck to go your way and then you're probably still going to end up suffering a bit later in the game anyway because those cards which you wanted to avoid are coming later (laughs) yeah exactly I i think from now on we'll just we'll just presume you are
0: playing this two player okay um but we did struggle a bit I mean, just to get through this, I think it's because you have to really communicate about which ally you can bring out. Because as a group, we can only bring out one ally per round. And that takes quite some thought and uh, some tactics are involved here of knowing the right time to bring out
1: the right hero. Uh, Because there are some pretty nasty
0: guys out there that can really
1: slow you down. Yeah, I mean is it worth just saying as well that what this is talking about when it says you can only play one ally that's during the planning phase where you're playing at, at the same time you're playing attachments etc you can bring other allies into play through card effects
0: yeah because then you wouldn't be playing the ally you would be playing the the uh, event for
1: instance which would yeah. then
0: bring an ally into play which is that 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 difference right exactly
1: so that's one thing to bear in mind for for new players i think if you do have something like i don't know like a stand and fight for example you could use that to to bring out an additional ally sneak attack or sneak attack is another one uh i can't remember if there's any more in the core set but but yeah anyway there's a couple of ways you can do it yeah yeah i, I wouldn't rely on it though. <laughs> no no um yeah i think you're right i think i think it's happened each time we played to be honest i couldn't really remember the very first time we played it way back which was literally like my second game i'd ever had on on this
0: oh that was nice of me wasn't it
1: yeah (laughs) play this game it's quite fun isn't it right sit down (laughs) i think (laughs) we're playing escape from dogador i think we did the corset i think that was why we did it i think we did all all, all three ah yeah that's
0: likely yeah
1: um but yes, I think what yeah, as you were alluding to earlier, I think what we're finding on here was you were getting to a point fairly quickly where it's like, oh my goodness, this could get overwhelming any second now. And then we just managed to get over the crest of that wave, and then seemed to sort of take a bit more control of the game. I think I think that's what happened both times. Yeah, we played this week together. Yeah, both times we defeated it. That was the same experience. I think. Yeah, because I think. I mean,
0: like you say, the encounter cards actually from the Dolgador set aren't that bad. I mean, there are there are a couple of nasty enemies. I mean, there's a Nazgul in it, um, but and we'll we'll come to those in a moment. But the cards which you have to bundle in with that, which is basically the uh, spiders of Mirkwood and I think the uh, the orcs, the orcs, orcs yeah, the orcs from Dolgador. There are some really nasty guys in there. I mean, we've already spoken about them in in previous episodes, but uh, like Chieftain Orftak is in there. Uh, the Beastmaster is in there. Um, oh, I think didn't Ungoliant we, spawn. Yeah, I was going to say, didn't we get Ungoliant <laughs> spawn as a surge from during setup? So we ended up with we ended up with three uh, three guarded objectives, and one of those had surge on it. So we got Ungoliant spawn for good measure, just. <laughs> before we'd even lifted a finger.
1: And we've got a, an old favourite of yours and mine, the Hummerhorns. Oh. oh, yeah, we got the Hummerhorns. We got the Hummerhorns no, from, like, from from the first round as well. So
0: it was, that was just a race <laughs> against the clock. Just had to sit there. <laughs> yeah, so like I say, even though there aren't that many particularly nasty enemies or locations in the Dolgador set itself, the other enemies that come along for the ride are... Ooh. Ooh. so
1: and we've what, got our favorite necromancer's reach oh that's your favorite i don't i don't
0: i don't understand how one treachery can cause you so much grief so many times
1: <laughs> although having said that in the last game it was it was you who was more in it we had to get rid of cards we'll talk about this in a minute Put them to the, because we were scared of Necromaster Reach killing your characters rather than mine, if, if you recall. Absolutely. We were, we were in trouble,
0: and I was playing with Denethor. I was basically playing with the same deck that I played with uh, for Journey Along the Anduin. And it was basically okay, we were using Denethor at the end of each round to see what was coming next. And then there was Necromaster Reach. It's like, no, to the bottom of the deck. But it's like, well, no, maybe we could put it at the bottom of the deck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's just horrible in every way. But yeah <laughs> okay so so let's say that we did get past the first card so what what happens next i like the artwork on that card as well by the way oh i don't even know tower <laughs> <laughs> it looks it looks menacing. it doesn't look like somewhere you want to go it's like come on galadriel <laughs> oh yeah no but i do have a bone to pick about that i've got a, i've got a few things about oh. this
0: quest that i actually dislike and i, I mean i i'm I was going to uh, wait till the conclusion for this, but th- I will I will jump straight to this one. So the first two quests in the core set we have an urgent message for Lady Gladriel, so we have to take it through the uh, the Path through Merkwood, and then that basically continues directly onto journey along the Anduin, where we have to continue taking our message to Lady Gladriel, and then the beginning of this one. Let me just let me just read it here one more time. Lady Gladiator Lauren has asked you to investigate the area in the vicinity of Dolgador. No, but hang on. Hang on. We were just bringing you a message. We've got things to get back to. And now it's just like, could, could you just go and investigate the vicinity of Dolgador? It doesn't wash with me that. I mean, I, I, I like the fact that we, we've got there. We never found out what that message was. But now go to Dolgador. I just I think it's a little bit, uh, a little bit of a
1: stretch. Are you saying that you would refuse the good lady's request? I would try, <laughs> and then she would look at me with those eyes. Exactly, start crying.
0: Yeah. Say, okay,
1: <laughs> I'm going. <gay>. Okay. <laughs>
0: Dolgadur, you're saying?
1: <laughs> it's lovely this time of year. Wonderful service in the tower. <laughs> um, yeah,
0: okay, so that's that's beef number one. That's actually not my biggest beef with this quest, but... uh
1: Okay. Let's move on to quest card number two. Uh, I'd like to officially put it on the record that I don't have any beef with Lady Galatra. (laughs) (laughs) Just in case it has been noted. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So we've got through that one. We've claimed one of the objectives. Might be worth saying, well, actually, I guess it depends on your deck and your situation. I've tended to, when I was playing one player, I always wanted to get Gandalf's map because it wouldn't do damage and it wouldn't raise your threat. And i will just put that on somebody who just quests. Like if I had Eowyn in my hand, I'd put on Eowyn, for example.
0: Yeah, for sure. Gandalf's map is by far the least negative of all the objectives. The only thing is, if, the, if uh, like I said, we weren't going to talk about trying to do this one player. If you are playing this one player, to only have two heroes and then suddenly one of them can't fight could be a real problem. But yeah, in a two player game, for sure, it's definitely the right one to pick up first.
1: Yeah, if you've got a a Gimli, who's you manage to get some armor on him or something, this actually might not be a bad way just to bump him up a bit. But you have to bear in mind you have to have a way to be able to reduce it if you want to start fighting with him. And obviously, if you haven't got a way to reduce it, he will die after X amount of rounds. Another thing to bear in mind: shadow key shadow key adds oh, shadow one key. adds yep. one um, damage at the end of each round. So if you've got Gimli, that's gonna make him hit for one more each time. But well, a, you, need, you need to keep him alive. That's a risk. <laughs> that's a <laughs> risk. Here you go, Gimli. Just carry that. G- Gimli, hold that. <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting weak. Be all right. I'm getting weak, but weirdly I'm getting strong. He <laughs> just gets more desperate. See so adrenaline. That's what it is, isn't it? With Gimli, the more you damage him, the more angry he gets. Okay, so quest card number two. Quest card number two. So this is through the caverns. Finding a hidden entrance to the dungeons of Dolguldur at last, you attempt to make your way through the caverns beneath the hill, searching for your imprisoned friend. The denizens of this labyrinth stand in your way while the jailers protect the prisoner. So then you flip it over, and straight away you'll notice as 15 progress required. Response After placing any number of progress tokens on this card flip the prisoner hero card face up and place one damage token on it this hero has been rescued and may now be used by its controller the players as a group still cannot play more than one ally card each round players cannot advance to the next stage of this quest unless they have rescued the prisoner and have all three escape from dol Guldur objective cards okay there's a lot going on here so just before
0: we dissect this, I'm going to jump right in with my main beef. Okay. And and, and then I can just put it to rest because this gets my back up with this quest. And I think, I mean, you, I have to be pretty hard pushed to say anything negative about Lord of the Rings, the card game. I mean, I love this game and I love what the designers do. But I think with this quest particularly, there's a few things which just don't add up. And the main one for me is that whilst you are going through the caverns looking for your prisoner it's still perfectly possible to travel to the mountains of Merkwood. it's also perfectly possible to travel to the great forest web and this just doesn't make any sense to me thematically it's like I'm going through the caverns I'm looking for a prisoner oh I'm up a mountain and I think it's very rare actually and this is this is a big compliment to the game designers it's very rare in this game that that sort of situation occurs nearly always the locations of how you travel through each quest are very thematic and it it does continue to work no matter which stage you're at but with this one particularly it, it just takes me out of the whole experience and with that in mind i find that whenever i play this quest i treat it much more like a a puzzle that needs to be solved rather than a thematic experience which is a shame because that's what i really love about this game but then sometimes yeah that's just the way it is i guess sometimes you just have to solve it and not worry too much of the, the fact that you're a uh, that you're you're deep in the caverns of a of a tower and now
1: you're up a mountain yeah i think that's i think that's probably a fair point um so i think the locations which do come in that dol Guldur set are fine yeah, they work. Yeah, because I think work. there's a there's a Tower Gate
0: or something is in there.
1: Um, I think I think the only other one is Endless Caverns.
0: That's right, and that that of course that is, completely works. That that's exactly right. But it's
1: yeah, I think there there are four other locations in here, and I'm just trying to see if I can find a, an excuse for each of them because <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't really yeah I, you're, you're right. There is something a bit odd about being in a dungeon and then suddenly going to the mountains of Mirkwood. Or there's the Enchanted Stream, which I can
0: sort of... Maybe there's a stream that's running through the caverns that could work, but yeah, no. Yeah. But, and, like, and like I say, I'm, I'm nitpicking, but that's only as a compliment to how well the designers do in, I would say, 90% of all the other quests, where the theme runs through it perfectly and in this one it's kind of like oh they won't notice but i i, I did notice
1: <laughs> yeah there's enchanted stream necromancer's past which is kind of dull gold so you can kind of make a thing for that i guess yeah for the two you mentioned i think the two you're talking about so it's mountains of mirkwood <laughs> the ones you mentioned are the ones you're talking about <laughs> Just want to make that clear. Um, so what so is the, the mountains of mirkwood the other one is great forest web yeah so you're not really gonna be in a mountain or a forest when you're in the dungeon. It just bothers me slightly, but I, I've got it off my chest now. So let's yeah. let's continue. <laughs> okay. So after so yeah, rescuing a prisoner is obviously great. Now here's where the Nazgul wording comes into play. So the second you put one progress token or more on the quest card to b through the caverns, the Nazgul of comes into the staging area. Yeah, and they could have easily put that on the quest card. When they should they should have, really. But that's what you alluded to earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so generally what's happening here then is, great, you've got another hero. And uh, just to contradict Tina Turner, you do need another hero <laughs> at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but what you don't need is the Nazgul of Guldur, who does come to the staging area. And the Nazgul's pretty... A pretty nasty character. He really is. Is it worth just just going? Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Yeah. So the important thing to remember, he's got an engagement cost of 40. That's pretty high. That's pretty high. So there's still scope to manage this. And I think we had to utilize this a fair bit to get rid of him, didn't we? Oh, yeah. You do not want to be engaging this guy if possible. Yeah. For various reasons. However, one reason to engage him. He has a threat of five. I changed my mind. You want to engage this guy as (laughs) soon as possible. There's no easy answers. (laughs) You've turned into Golem again. (laughs) And then uh, he hits for, or it, whatever, hits for four, defends for three, and has got nine, a whopping nine hit points. No attachments can be played, so you can't, I don't know, forest snare or whatever. Can't snare the Nazgul. Um, forced when the prisoner is rescued move Nazgul into a staging area fine we discussed that the other forced effect on him though is after a shadow effect dealt to the Nazgul of Dol Guldur resolves the engaged player must choose and discard one character he controls so it's just by the fact that a shadow has resolved you're losing a character
0: nasty business yeah and that's a character so if if you've got no allies left that's your
1: heroes they're going one by one Yeah. so when you do engage this guy i guess there's various things I, I guess there's various tactics i guess which which we used um yeah i think we mostly tried to spam him with gandalf didn't we yeah that was that was our, our general thing wasn't it so you can Add four damage. So if you can sneak attack Gandalf, then you can whack four on. In fact, I think both times we did it together, we ended up killing him with a Gondorian Spearman after oh. double Gandalf spamming him. So <laughs> he ended up with eight. Then we engaged him, and he attacked the Spearman And then it's your favourite, <laughs> your, your favourite one, one damage immediate onto Nazgul, and he's gone. I think we did that twice, didn't we? Yeah. To I mean, why, of. why, why wouldn't we? If I... <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's just so glorious. Um, yeah. But of course, you know, if you are unlucky enough to be engaged with or engaged to a Nazgul, no,
1: engaged with the Nazgul. <laughs> yeah, um, maybe in a much nicer outside of work context. <laughs> oh, very I've chilled out at home. I've heard that <laughs> excuse before, but we
0: all know the truth. <laughs> um, but if you happen to be engaged with this, this guy, you want to be doing everything in your power to stop Shadow Cards. From resolving, so that could be cancellation or simply just trying to kill him before you see those shadow cards. I mean, yeah, you just can't afford to be using luck, although luck does come into it, you know. But you can't, you can't rely on that, um and you also can't afford to be losing characters every time he attacks.
1: I guess, I guess uh, another way, and um, something which I did sort of playing solo, is if you can cancel shadows. Ben, it's not going to resolve that shadow, which means you don't lose a character. Still need a way to defeat the Nazgul pretty quickly once it is engaged. So you probably want a souped-up Gimli or enough people who can attack him at the same time because he's got free shield and nine hit points. So you know it's not not an easy one to overcome. Yeah, and just to uh, just a point that you made on the uh, cancelling
0: of shadow cards, it's exactly what I just said.
1: Is <laughs> <laughs> it? Glad to know you're paying attention. I thought you said you couldn't be afforded to lose characters every time. I did say that as well. Okay. Okay. All right. (laughs) Basically, what we're saying is canceling shadow effects is good. Oh, if you can cancel the shadow effects, that would also be a good tactic. Yeah.
0: That's that's a good point. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't think of that earlier. Um okay, so you've got a Nazgul up there. Probably best to try and keep him in the staging area if you can quest enough because that's what you were alluding to earlier with that five threat up there in the staging area. If you haven't got a grip of what's going on up there, you're going to get yourself in trouble. You could easily get yourself uh find yourself threatening out if you're not careful.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: So, the Nazgul, yeah, I mean defeat it as soon as possible and then guess the main tactic then is to make sure you have enough threat left in the bank to be able to claim those
1: objectives and then move on as soon as possible this is another thing that makes it harder for one player as well because once you claim all three of these objectives that's six threat you got to to one player at least if you're playing two player you can spread it around a bit so four for one two for the other um obviously not possible with um uh, on, on a one player game I mean, actually, this is a game which gets increasingly easier the more players that
0: you have. I mean, if you had a three- or four-player game... Yeah, yeah, totally, Yep, yeah. it, it really wouldn't be a problem, especially... It wouldn't be a problem to lose one hero at the beginning, and it certainly wouldn't be a problem to spread that threat increase out.
1: Can you do three- and four-player games?
0: Yeah, you need two core sets.
1: Okay. All right. Okay, so to get through this, this quest card, uh, you don't actually need to defeat for NASCO at this point but I think we found that it's better just to get rid of this guy as soon as possible for the reason you just said he's either causing you five threat in the staging area or he's engaged you and he's really nasty but what you do need to do is claim all, all three of these, of, of these cards and once you've done that and got your 15 progress then you move on to the final card did you have anything more to add to no the no, no no. so the last card is out of the dungeons via the mountains of Mirkwood you could do <laughs> My geography's not great, so... <laughs> um, following a thread of sunlight, you discover a cavern opening leading out through the side of the hill. Stationed outside the cave mouth, however, is a large group of orcs. So you flip the card over. Just need the seven to get through this. Four. At the beginning of each quest phase, each player places the top card of his deck face down in front of him, as if it just engaged him from the staging area. These cards are called Orc Guard and act as enemies with one hit point, who hit for one, and got one shield. Players cannot defeat the stage while Nazgul of Dol Gordur is in play. If this stage is defeated and Nazgul is not in play, the players have won the game.
0: Yeah, a lot going on again,
1: eh? Yeah, so let's come to those Orcs in a second. One thing, which I do kind of like thematically here, is you've escaped, you've got out of the dungeon, you just got to get past these nasty and to get out of the dungeon you had to, to use these objectives you had to use the map you had to use the torch and you had to use a key somewhere but once you're out you don't need these anymore Yeah. so you don't need to still have these objectives to complete the quest that's a good point because the reason I know this is because or the reason it came to my mind rather was when I was playing this one player and I one of those couple of occasions I did somehow manage to get to this last card I was thinking, how am I I going to, because I was about to go to threat 50 on both occasions. That's how I ended up losing both times. Just didn't have enough time. I then thought, well, actually, can I just get rid of these? So I looked up, how can you just discard an attachment if you don't want it anymore? And actually, I don't think you can. I think if you have a restricted attachment, you have to fill up with two and then play another one. And then you can choose to get rid of one. Yeah,
0: that's the only way. Well, I mean, there are there are, you can get rid of condition attachments with with the mine of the
1: Iron Hills, of course, but um, I don't think these class as conditions. No, these are just normal attachments, aren't they? But just having to bear in mind though, you know, if if you do have a way to get rid of one of these, and one it means you're going to get a different attachment, that might be more useful to you. Uh, but two, obviously, you'll then lose for negative effects of these i.e. You, you, whoever's got Gandalf's map can attack or defend, for example, whatever it is. Ah, uh, yeah, that's very valid, yeah. The big one is raising your threat by an additional two with a dungeon torch. So you're going up three every time. Why Why would you still be holding a torch? Yeah. You're absolutely right. <laughs> but you have to, unless you can put some, play something else. I can't, I just can't drop it. <laughs> like, just yeah. Put it down, put it down. I can't, just <laughs> put it down. I can't. <laughs> we might need it. We might. It might be useful. <laughs> Here, have have take this <laughs> citadel plate. <laughs> uh, we are
0: literally out of the dungeons. Oh, I can't do it. No. I like this torch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but ugh, see, you've got me going again about the theme on this one. Is, yeah. is but it's I like the theme. I like the theme. Well, you you like the theme that you can get rid of them now, but yeah. the theme that you haven't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's uh but that's more to do with the that's the more mechanics to the mechanics James, yeah. isn't it isn't it so it's, it's like a challenge you know so just, it's just something to bear in mind you can get rid of these if you've got other attachments and they yeah. can help you out yeah however what you do have to do is ensure that you've defeated the nazgul so hopefully you've done that already but if not you've got to do it here I highly recommend just getting rid of him
0: in that it, it, during stage two don't let him hang around
1: Having said that as well though I, I, I totally agree when we played the second time we finished the encounter deck right on this last card if we had well basically we had to shuffle the Nazgul back luckily we had Denethor who could check it but it could have been a case that we ended up with a Nazgul again so oh, if you yeah. do kill him early and you're getting through the cards on the encounter deck there is that chance as well you could get him again but it's Definitely worth taking the risk, I think.
0: For sure. And I I think we lamented several times that why doesn't the Nazgul have victory points that he doesn't go to the victory display so he does get shuffled back into the encounter deck. But actually, I think we came to the conclusion that that does make thematic sense. We aren't actually killing the Nazgul. We're just fending him off and then
1: it's quite possible that he's just going to come back. You can't kill Nazgul. And there's seven of them anyway. True. (laughs) Nine. More true. (laughs) True. (laughs) <laughs> okay so I guess the last thing just to bear in mind on this one is that both times we won this we just did a huge quest because we'd killed the already and just got through this straight away
0: that's what yeah. we did this third quest card did not cause us any problems on either
1: time and I think yeah.
0: what did we quest for on that last uh the last
1: 20 something wasn't it <laughs> Sorry, ludicrous but if you're not in that position, which is likely as well, I guess, then you have to deal with these orc guards. And that's similar to one of the locations that you can get in here as well. Is it the Tower Gate, is it? Yeah, Tower Gate also creates orc guards. Yeah, which is a yeah a similar thing.
0: But the orc guards, I mean, they're not that difficult. Just a reminder, you need to take the top card of your deck and put it face down in front of you. And then that becomes an enemy where you have to just sort of Remember that it, it's one 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 basically. One defense, one hit, and one attack. They're not difficult to get past, of course, but it is just another enemy you have to knock off. I think the worst part about it is it's taking cards from your deck that you may well need.
1: Yeah, agreed. Uh, they can cause a problem. I mean, this definitely caused me a problem playing one player where I was struggling to... I, I was try, I'm trying to remember the exact situation now, but I was struggling to get that much questing for whatever reason, I think I was decimated from a whole bunch of battles. I was always on the edge, you know. And then, actually, after a couple of rounds on this, I think I threaded out in the end anyway. But I think these guys actually did cause me a problem because I couldn't get rid of <laughs> all the enemies I had. So it's just a, an additional attack with a shadow you're going to get every time unless you can take them out.
0: Yeah, you just need to be able to weather the storm
1: and plow through
0: this. I mean, I think actually this quest gets easier the more you get through it i mean that that initial that initial quest card is pretty tough you know because of all the things that the encounter deck can throw at you straight off the bat that second quest card is particularly nasty it's balanced slightly because you get your last hero back but then you get the nazgul i think the third one if if you have got to the third card you should be able to get past it without too much trouble but I'm talking two player. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: two player. That's right. Yeah.
0: yeah so, so I mean, it's, this is difficult for me because, like I say, I I don't like to ever say anything negative about this game because it really, I think it's wonderful and I love it and it's such an important part of my life. I sense a, a but. <laughs> yeah, I re- I like this quest. But go on, go, go on. I just don't think this quest is very well thought out. I think it's, and this is not to do with the difficulty. We've we've talked about that ad nauseum, and as you know, we've beaten it three for three together. So actually, the difficulty is not a problem for us. Uh, also, it seems. I just think it's not very interesting, and I think there are way too many additional mechanics on every single quest card. I think it becomes overcomplicated, especially for new players. That. There are there are there's reams and reams of text on every quest card, on every objective. I think the quest itself doesn't warrant this much complexity. The rewards don't equal the uh ah! Sorry, my cat just jumped up onto the Hello boy. Um so Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm being a bit too harsh, but yeah, it's just just my opinion, and and I I have to be honest.
1: Fair enough. Um, I quite like the fact that it's complex, just in the same way that, as we discussed earlier, the the second quest, Journey Along the Antwins, suddenly presents this huge challenge about how you actually defeat it. This one presents a challenge in what you're saying... there's so much going on in all these different cards. It makes you... And this is something I've banged on about before. Always read the cards. Be aware of what's on the cards. And I say that a lot because I'm the, the person who's the most guilty of of not doing that. <laughs> that's, that's why I make the point. Um, yeah, but that's but true. But it, it, sh- it, shouldn't, you... it shouldn't be a chore, though, should it? I don't really find it a chore. I found playing this quest just makes you... Especially before I really learned what the quest was all about. It just makes you get into that mindset of managing it and not being overwhelmed and making sure you are aware of, of what's happening with each card and think oh god i actually know if i do that i didn't think of this and how am i going to claim that objective actually I haven't got anyone to do it and it's it's um all all of that kind of thinking um because i think what, once you play this a couple of times and you only have to play it a couple of times to really to really get there then i think when you do and we'll come to this obviously in future episodes when you start doing the The next cycle, you don't really see anything quite as as complex as this, maybe. Or or maybe you do. Maybe I'm not remembering correctly. But it doesn't stick in my mind because I think this kind of gets you used to it. Yeah, I think it beats you down. (laughs) No, but I I do understand what you're
0: saying. But I think as you go into the next cycle, there are new mechanics and they are interesting. I think they just streamline it. I think they, they learn what bits to add and when. And I think this one, they just went okay. This is the introductory quest. This is the sort of tougher thematic quest. And now here's everything else. And um, yeah, for me, it just misses the mark slightly.
1: Fair enough. And you, you've, I guess, got more experience of the future quests as well to compare that. That's against. true. I
0: mean, I mean, it's 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 maybe not fair to talk in hindsight about it. Well, oh, no,
1: no, I think that's fa- that, that, I think that, that's that's fine. That's that's fair because I think we'll have probably people listening to this as well who are kind of revisiting uh, rather than playing for. The, it's not only going to be first time people. I think no, so. absolutely, yeah. So I think that's that's fair. That's a fair comment. I think. Did we want to discuss any of the other cards?
0: Um, well, t- to be honest, There's only a I, couple. <laughs> yeah, I mean. If there's anything you want to go over, that's fine with me. I mean, like I said before, for me, the encounter cards that we haven't yet seen in this deck weren't really the trouble. I mean, there's one particularly nasty guy, the Dungeon Jailer. I don't know if that was someone you were gonna you were gonna bring up.
1: That was for one. I was gonna mention. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, let's 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 have a let's have a word with the jailer, shall we? <laughs> so, the jailer has an engagement cost of thirty-eight. Only one threat hits for two. Three shield, five hit points. So it gets nastier as you go down. Yeah. Quite quite difficult to take down is a Dolgold or Orc. Forced. If Dungeon Jailer is in the staging area, after the players have just quested unsuccessfully, shuffle one unclaimed objective card from the staging area back into the encounter deck. So if you've got Gandalf's map or Shadow Key or Dungeon Torture or two of them or all three of them in the staging area. And you do quest unsuccessfully and this guy's also in the staging area, one of those is disappearing into the encounter deck.
0: It's so nasty. Yeah.
1: That can be really, really that can put the kibosh on your on your whole quest if you're not if you're not yeah. lucky. Yeah. If, if the dungeon
0: jailer is is in the staging area, you've got to either engage him as soon as possible or find a way to get rid of him because or just make sure you quest successfully. But you know, you never really know.
1: Agreed. So yeah, just just one to bear yeah, in
0: mind. Yeah, I, and I think that was the only one I really highlighted because actually I think it's all the other nasties that we've mentioned in the last two episodes, which are the ones that really come and get you. I mean, there's there's some real favourites in there. <laughs> um. Okay. Well, I, I don't really have that much more to say about this quest. Uh, um. But uh. Well done. We have got
1: through all the cool quests. Yes, we did. And uh, yeah, a great great introduction to the game. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Um.
0: Okay. Well, if you don't have anything more to add on that, I think we'll we'll move on to our uh, our fact of the week. Okay. Yeah. Still don't have a jingle there. Okay. So our uh, our fact of the week is the moment where we uh, we go through the FAQ in order and see if there's anything that causes any discussion or any questions or whether or not it's all clear and uh, and it all makes sense. So this week, the fact of the week question: When do? And this is in quotes. After this enemy attacks, forced effects like those on Chieftain Uvdak and Wargs resolve. And the answer to that is these effects resolve immediately after Step Four of enemy attack resolution. Um, okay, well that sounds like a very legal way of saying when they. Uh, <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> when they resolve, um, Step Four of enemy attack resolution is. I believe, and I'm going by memory here, is placing damage tokens on your defender or or, or hero if it's undefended. Um, I will look that up afterwards, but I'm almost certain that's stage four of enemy attack resolution. Ah, oh, so after.
1: Okay. Right. So, so, yeah, that wording's quite... I see why it's in the fact now. So I think yet again... Yet again, I've been playing this (laughs) role. So for me, the way I've always read this is... So I've got Chieftain Uftak here in front of me. Yeah. Not, I mean, the the card. (laughs) (laughs) Lucky you. Yeah. Otherwise, I'd have to put a resource token on the bloke after he's... (laughs) All right. He's, He's saying... So he's not saying anything. What it says on his card is... Forced. After Chieftain Uftak attacks, place one resource token on him. Now, I didn't see that as he attacks you resolve his attack so his attack is over therefore that is now after he's attacked yeah i just saw that as the second he attacks then yes after he attacks therefore do it at that point that would be when this enemy as he attacks When? when he
0: when when yeah right (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah, but th- but that's important for, for, for yeah. Duck because then that means that that um, that resource token, which gives him extra attack, wouldn't actually come into play until the next round.
1: Oh no! Okay, I've been playing it right then. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, like, okay. So... And,
0: and the um, the Wargs would be, I think, after they attack, they go back to the staging area if they were dealt a shadow. If they're dealt a shadow without a shadow effect, then they go back to the staging area after they attack. So, basically, they take a chunk out of you, you place your damage tokens, and then they go back to the staging area. Right. right. So, I mean, the, yeah, I guess it does need clarification, but I think... Uh, yeah, I I guess it's there because were people... I guess it must be for Chieftain to North attack. That 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 if it was at the point when they attack and you put that t- token on them, then people were wondering how much he hit for. I guess.
1: Yeah. So I, I like I said, I, I interpreted this both ways. I thought after he attacks meant li- literally the moment he attacks, but yeah. I still wasn't placing resource on him because I thought obviously it's going to be after every sort of yeah. attack round. So yeah, uh, it's good to clarify. I guess, but.
0: Yeah, and I think what's important with the works, and I think I did mention this actually last episode, um, after you reveal the shadow card, but before you put on the, the hit points, you can actually still play actions. So you could at that point sneak in Gandalf and kill him um, at that point, but you can't play actions after you place the damage tokens. 'Cause it goes on to the next phase at that point. So what would happen is that you would you would place the damage tokens sorry, it wouldn't go on to the next phase. It would go on to your it would still be the <laughs> it would still be the combat phase, but it would be now your turn to attack. And I don't think you can play actions at that point. So basically I think you can. No, I don't think you can at that at the end of step four of the Enemy attack resolution. I don't know what step four is. Step four four is placing tokens. Okay. So you place the tokens. Yeah. You can't play an action until that has been resolved. So as this fact says, these effects resolve immediately after step four. So you place the tokens. Then the wags go back to the staging area. So you can't sneak attack Gandalf in then. He's already gone. But you could do it
1: before... Yeah. Or sneak attack anyone.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sneak attack anyone. Well, well, yeah, yeah. But Gandalf would be the only way to, to kill him. Um. Yeah, it, it, it does need a bit of clarification. I don't think it's one to lose too much sleep over.
1: No, I agree, yeah.
0: Alrighty, so it's time for the regular part of the show where we we like to share the love and discuss some other sort of online resources for Lord of the Rings, the card game, which uh which are out there on the on the World Wide Web. And this week, um I'm gonna discuss about my love of old maps. Because I love maps in general, and I love the maps of Middle Earth. I mean I just think uh the original uh Lord of the Rings atlas that was that was created and um i mean tolkien 's original map of course is it 's just a thing of beauty. Um, there is a blog called Master of law, and i 'm not too sure if it 's active anymore, but it does still exist. You can still find it, but i don 't know if the creators of it are actually writing the blog anymore, but there is a section of this which is just glorious. And that is the LOTR LCG Atlas. Now it's not completely up to date. I think they got as far as As of Numenor Deluxe Box, but basically they have taken the Atlas of Middle Earth and broken it down to every quest up until the As of Numenor, and you can explore the maps and whilst clicking on locations on the maps, it will bring up the encounter cards and the quest cards of the locations in which the the game is taking you to. And it's such a nice, pleasant way to explore the locations. And if you're into the theme of the game and you want to sort of get an understanding of the locations that you're going towards and where these quests are set, it's so nicely made, I highly recommend you take a look at it. I mean, it's a bit of a shame that it's not for the full game, but I imagine it was a hell of a lot of work. So I think we just need, to, uh, just need to be grateful that there is some of it there because it really is a nice thing. I don't have a website address for it. I, I mean, I, Google it and I'll put it into the show notes.
1: Yeah, I've, I've never seen this before. So I've, as you were just discussing it, I've just been looking through it. Yeah, it looks pretty amazing actually. Uh, you can just Google Master of Law and it's the first thing that comes up on a Google search. So it should be easy to find and where do I find Google? That I don't know. I'm afraid. I'll
0: Bing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just do a search for it. It's
0: fine. Um, okay, so that's my uh, online recommendation for the week. Um, okay, I think I think that's uh, pretty much wraps everything up for this episode. We are actually going to take a little bit of time. Off, so there'll be a bit of a break now before the next episode it gives us a bit of time just to uh, gather our thoughts play a bit more of the game and uh, just take a bit of a breather uh, but don't worry we will be back and when we come back we'll be playing the first ap in the first cycle which is hunt for golem so if you want to if you are playing along with us that's the one you want to be getting refreshed on ready for that next episode refreshed already ready? Uh, either or <laughs> I still can't figure it out <laughs> <laughs> um, so there are a few ways you can get in touch with us we have a twitter account which is at later the rings uh, you can get in touch directly via email at of the rings at gmail.com and we have a board game geek thread which I'll put a link to in the show notes So with that, I would just say thanks once again for listening and take care out there. Until next time. Bye.